The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. TNT, you're with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address as always. And thank you to those who do send me mails. Uh, and a special thank you to the New Zealand government who sent me an email this morning moaning about a podcast that I did about a year ago. Listen to this, Alex. The New Zealand government wants me to take down a podcast that I recorded a year ago with Max Egan, uh, in which he um, analyzed the Christchurch massacre, basically arguing that there's a government cover-up going on. Now, I don't understand what's going on in New Zealand. Apparently, it's illegal. It's a criminal offense to even talk about it, to watch it, to do anything regarding that video, or, or sorry, that, that, that shooting. But I'm not in New Zealand. I'm on the African continent. So he has a big middle finger to the New Zealand government. <laughs> I'm not going to comply with anything that the, that the Kiwis want. So on that note, uh, Alex and Joel and I will, will be uh, with you for the next hour. And I'm going to be joined momentarily by Vanessa Beely. Uh, jump into the live chat. And if you are watching via the video live stream, which I think is on X, Rumble and YouTube, the links are all on TNT's website. Um, I do apologize. It's extremely hot here at the moment. If I start sweating during the course of this conversation, it's because I don't have aircon and I have lots of lights shining on me and it is around about 40 degrees Celsius. The reason why I don't have aircon is because we have rolling blackouts because we're, because this is Africa. <laughs> this is how we this is how we roll. <laughs> so anyway, my name is Germ. <laughs> this is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. What an absolute pleasure to, to be chatting to you again. Vanessa Beattie, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me back on again. <laughs> no, the pleasure is all mine. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm glad that you are recovering. Um, it's weird. I, I, I like to joke about how much we are suffering here on the African continent, but <laughs> but you win. You're in Syria. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, it's, it's not raging heat here and it's not like sub-zero cold, but it's cold. I mean, once the sun goes down, as I'm sure you know, and there's no electricity, there's no heating, there's no gas. It's cold. <laughs> and sometimes doing interviews, I actually have a hot water <laughs> bottle on my lap and I'm like shoving my hands underneath it because otherwise they turn blue. <laughs> well, I like I like the fact that we we are fighting for victimhood status here. Like who's got who's yeah. got less electricity? <laughs> well, I think Gaza wins hands down at the moment, yes. to be honest. I yes. Mean, I don't think anything surpasses that. Well, actually there's the segue right there. So let's let's jump straight into Gaza. Um, what do you? Let's just take a bird's eye view. What do you make of what's going on? Um, what I really think is going on is effectively the reshaping of the Middle East, um, which of course began with the British colonialist uh, settler project of the Zionist state. I don't call it the state of Israel. Um, which began, I guess, at the end of the 1800s. And then you had the Balfour Declaration in 1917, and you had then the realization by the indigenous people, uh, which, by the way, are not, a lot of people get this really mixed up. 
I, I had someone say to me the other day, yeah, but you know, I defend the state of Israel because I don't want a Muslim state um, in this area. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this, it was the state of Palestine. It had Palestinian Jews, Palestinian Christians, and Palestinian Muslims, Palestinian atheists, Palestinian communists sharing the same state peaceably, actually, peacefully. Anyway, so then, you know, you, sorry. You, so basically, no, no, just no, no. I was to agree recap with you. on that, yeah, just to recap on that, um, then of course, you move forward to the various partitioning agreements, the various agreements that, that robbed. Palestinians of their land from 1947 onwards when the British mandate ended and the kind of, I, I always say, the US adopted the project fairly rapidly after that because they saw the benefit of having it as a military garrison and a, and a spy unit and a surveillance unit and an interference unit um, in the Middle East where, of course, they wanted to create chaos. So I think whatever the theories are about why October the 7th happened, I think a lot of it is to do with the potential normalization with Saudi Arabia, because that would have basically ended any hope of Palestinians having justice, having a state, etc. Um, of course, other um, Sunni uh, Islamic states had already, you know, basically normalized under the Abraham Accords with Israel. Um, and now I think what appears to be happening is just this unprecedented escalation. So they've kind of pretty much obliterated Gaza. They're carrying out controlled demolition now, even though the troops have withdrawn from the north and are heading to the north of the occupied territories to the border with Lebanon. And, and the rhetoric now is very much about escalating with Lebanon because Hezbollah won't move back from the blue line to the north of the Litani River, which allegedly was what was agreed under UN Resolution 1701 after the 2006 war. Of course they won't. I mean, it's their territory. You know, at the same time, the Israelis have built settlements right on the blue line. So they've also violated, but nobody talks about this, you know, all the watchtowers and um, surveillance uh, headquarters and so on. So I think that's what's going on. Of course, here in Syria, we've had ongoing Israeli aggression on a, on a fairly regular basis, assassinating Iranian commanders, um, targeting Syrian Arab army. At the same time, terrorist groups like ISIS are being um, regenerated largely in Syria and in Iraq. There are uh, reports now on ISIS uh, uh, training in the Quran in the kind of very inaccessible mountainous area, which is vast in Iraq. Um, and there's reports of US attacks on PMU forces, the Iraqi militia that has been responsible really for fighting ISIS in Iraq and on the border with Syria for some time. So you have the big picture as you talked about really um, you know, and the US is escalating in the Red Sea. The EU now is talking about sending um, its own naval coalition apart from the US, separate from the US, uh, as soon as January the 22nd. You have Grant Shapps, the, the insane 
British war minister, I can't call him a defense minister, it's insane, um, talking about the end of the era of peace. It's like, what? Whoa, did, did peace pass me by somewhere, you know, in the last two centuries? Um, and the beginning of the era of confrontation. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> like, I thought we'd been living through the era of confrontation, <laughs> but no. And he's so excited. He's like, literally like, oh, you know, this is amazing. Um, so Iran has targeted sites in Iraq near Erbil airport and in Syria, obviously. In my view, both strikes would have been carried out with the express knowledge of both governments, to be honest. Iran is not really, a, in my experience here in Syria, it's, it's not a violator of sovereignty. Um, mm. But equally, you know, the assassination of uh, Ravi Mosavi, the uh, IRGC commander, early January, the terrible terrorist attack on the 3rd of January against uh, funeral, not funeral goers, sorry, um, commemorating the uh, anniversary, fourth anniversary of the assassination of Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Mohandas leader of the PMU in Iraq and more than 200 injured, more than 100 killed, including children. You know, it was, I think what we're seeing now, as we've been seeing with Hezbollah and, and Israel is an attempt to um, contain and restrict the coming escalation. But I think it's becoming nearly impossible for them to do so because Israel and the US, I mean, the US and the UK, for them to go and just bomb Yemen without any congressional or any parliamentary permission, you know, it's insane. I mean, our countries are just becoming absolutely lawless regimes. And of course, the way that the South African case at the ICJ has enabled all of them to start saying, well, look, South Africa is just a, anyone that is supporting the case is a proxy of Hamas. I mean, we're living yes. in such a, a, we're living in such an insane world. Like Yemen is getting bombed for uh, legitimately under the genocide convention, trying to prevent genocide in Palestine, because we're not only talking about Gaza. There's horrendous crimes being committed um, in West Bank. There's a massive increase in settlements since October the 7th. Mm. So I think we're heading into very turbulent times. <laughs> but Vanessa, in the infinite wisdom of uh, uh, Piers Morgan, do you condemn Hamas? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, please don't do that, honestly. It's just... <laughs> It's so it racist. It, it's so <laughs> racist. You know, we're, we're living and such in the West, in such a fascist, racist. I, I, I don't know what to call it. it kind of it dystopia. Is, it is. Yeah. I listen, Vanessa. I I really, 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 absolutely hate playing the race card because I think it's overused completely. Yeah. But, but I, I, I this can't. Is. I, I know, but I can't, I can't help but to think every time I hear somebody talking about Hamas, they're actually meaning Muslim. That's what I, that's what I keep thinking. They mean Islamist. Yeah. Yeah. 
you, you know, and, and I, th I think the, the sad thing is that a lot of people in the West, I've been having this conversation absolutely like consistently for months now, well, a hundred and whatever, what is it now? 106 days and even before. The resistance is made up of multiple factions. Um, the Kassam brigades and, and their commander was, of course, killed in a targeted strike in the southern suburbs of Beirut, which again totally undermines the Israeli claim that they're carrying out targeted strikes in Gaza. Of course, they're not, because in in that assassination they didn't. Um, no civilians, as far as I know, were killed. But look. Um, Hamas is kind of a, a touchy subject here in Syria, because I don't know if you're aware, but Hamas was involved uh, in the potential regime change project here in Syria, because it was that time being funded by Qatar, um, which is very much uh, one of the lead countries for the Muslim Brotherhood, as is Turkey, which again was instrumental in the destabilization of Syria and the annexation of its territory. Um, but since 2017, there have been huge um, processes ongoing to normalize relations with all the resistance factions, including Hamas. So to bring them all together, to, to end the differences, to bring them back under the umbrella of um, the axis of resistance. And it was largely successful. In 2021, Hamas came to Damascus and met with President Assad. The leadership itself was kind of rearranged, let's say, Sir Khaled Mashal, who'd been responsible for the betrayal of Hezbollah and Syria, was sidelined. He wasn't removed completely. Um, but the guys on the ground are the Qassam uh, Brigade military forces. They're not the political wing. And, you know, when I was in Gaza in 2013, I was there 2012 under the Israeli aggression, and again in 2013 after the Israeli aggression. And I met with the resistance fighters. They're just young kids. They're kids who've lived through, at that point, 2008-9, right? And soon to come, 2014. It's absolutely no surprise that they turn to armed resistance and they have a right to do so people talk to us all the time you know why don't they why don't they just uh, demonstrate peacefully you know what happens when they demonstrate peacefully or they lay their weapons down look at the great march of 2018 when hundreds of palestinians were killed and injured by israeli snipers when they were basically carrying out peaceful protests they didn't have weapons um about the the siege uh, and the apartheid wall, which is pretty much entirely surrounding um, Gaza. You know, so it's not that, yeah, this is why it's so disgusting because it's so misrepresentative. You have forces from the PFLP, which is the Communist Party. You have um, Christian Palestinians in, in West Bank in particular that are um, objecting to the Zionist occupation. It's it's mm. it's multiple faceted. There's more than 17 factions inside Gaza alone. So also this trope that it's Israel against Hamas enables them to do this racist, uh, Islamophobic 
thing, right? And and like as you said, you know, well, do you condemn what happened on the seventh of October? Well, hello, like especially because now we know that it's Israel that killed probably the majority of the civilians that died on October the seventh and the two days after, and everybody has seen. I mean, there were two hostages killed very recently. I think last week by by identified as being by IDF bombing by the third hostage who was with them. Um, and and we all know about the Hannibal Doctrine that it's better to kill yeah. even their own civilians or their own forces to prevent them being taken hostage. Yeah. And we also know from again yeah. multiple testimonies how well they were treated as hostages, mm. unlike. The, the, I think there's more than 5,000, and I call them hostages, not prisoners, because they're never put on trial. They're held in military courts. They're tortured beyond belief. Um, and they can be held indefinitely, as in Palestinians, those that have been stolen and kidnapped from Gaza. And I think more than 4,000 taken within West Bank uh, since October the 7th. So. <laughs> While they're, they're talking about October the 7th and, and you know, their hostages, they're taking thousands more hostages from inside West yeah. Bank. It's very clever propaganda, but I don't think anyone's really buying it anymore. I think this is the problem. I'm seeing people getting really ridiculed on Twitter now. Yeah. It's, it's just no one's buying it. Vanessa, I'll be back with you shortly. Just quickly going to a break. Mm. My name is Jerm. This is TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess. Think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics, and whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help their population. populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. The conversation continues. I don't believe it and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Vanessa, is Hamas a terrorist organization? According to the West, yes. Are the regimes in the West terrorist regimes? Yes. Is Israel a terrorist regime? Yes. So, I mean, we're rapidly reaching a point where you've just got terrorists writing terrorists and pick your terrorists, basically. <laughs> so, when, I mean, so when I mean, honestly, a terrorist, this, when everyone's yeah. a terrorist, nobody's a terrorist. Well, precisely. I mean, it's, it's again, you talk about racism losing um, its weight. You know, the term terrorism, I mean, okay, so now, as I said, because Anshrullah in Yemen is trying to um, prevent the genocide of Palestinians, they're now relabeled a terrorist group. And actually, by the way, that's the de facto government of Yemen. Again, when you're talking about very similar to, to Hamas, when you're describing uh, the Yemeni resistance as only the Houthis, by the way, the Houthis are around 2% of the population. Um, but Anshrullah is, is a coalition resistance movement against imperialism and is the de facto government in Sana'a, right? And, and has been since 2015. In fact, even the war in Yemen didn't need to start. Jamal Ben Omar, um, the UN peace envoy, told the UN, like, there's no need. <laughs> the Yemenis are actually kind of doing the grown up thing and working out a new constitution and, and bringing in a new political resolution, etc. It's fine. You don't need to do anything. Boom. You know, three days later, Saudi Arabia starts bombing. So again, I think all it's doing is, is to demonstrate how the West doesn't want peace. When you've got Grant Shapps leaping up and down with joy that we're entering an era of confrontation, when the minute a country opposes them, or opposes their agenda or the agenda of um, the Zionist entity, it becomes labeled a proxy of Hamas, a proxy of Iran. Again, another complete misnomer. Well, South Africa, as you probably know, mm. is now supposedly a proxy of Hamas. Uh, yes. Do you, do you, do you think that this, that this case that South Africa brought to the ICJ was a very smart chess move. Very, very, very. And I think what it's had, because everyone in the beginning was like downing on South Africa. Yeah, well, they're doing this, but they can't sort out the problems in their own country and, and, and this kind of thing. I was like, just wait, because you could see it was like a domino effect because South mm -hmm. Africa kind of took the bull by the horns suddenly all these other countries started going, oh, okay, we can say something now, we can join in, we can ride on the coattails, right? The entire um, organization of Is Islamic countries, that's 57 states. And not only are they doing the ICJ, I saw the other day that there's um, a civilian case being brought against uh, UK and US officials for complicity in genocide. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. Theodore uh, Herzog, the ridiculous president that's had about three Colin Powell movements, movements you know, with the chemical weapons, the, the, the Mein Kampf in Arabic, which was just like the most ridiculous thing, um, uh, has been approached at the WEF with a criminal prosecution, which is being brought, actually, I think, by unnamed litigators, Swiss prosecutors. 
Um, in the UK, there's a couple of cases ongoing now. Um, one by, I think it's a Palestinian action group that's working with the Met Police under their, I didn't even know there's a war crimes division of the Met Police in the UK, but apparently there is. Um, and they're working them uh, to, to legally prosecute nine British soldiers that were fighting in Gaza and five MPs. You know, it's, it's kind of, um, and Indonesia actually, Indonesia is bringing a case now to the ICJ. I think it's only an advisory, uh, what do they call it? You know, when they give an advisory um, verdict. Um, but they're bringing a case based on the occupation, at least since 1967. So it's kind of, it's pushed everyone into, into the brave corner. You know, it's, it's, it's had, from this perspective, <coughs> yeah, it's had an extraordinary effect. And I have to say that the South African case was locked tight as far as I, you know, everything that I watched was perfect. But Vanessa, why do you think it, it was South Africa that, that, that made the first move? Why no Arab state? Oh. <laughs> well, I think the, the problem is, I, I had this discussion here in Syria, like, for example, why wouldn't Syria um, carry a case? But of course, Syria is, is facing its own issues at the ICC, of course, completely fraudulent, but nevertheless, it's under investigation. Russia, of course, is under investigation in Ukraine, even China with the Uyghurs and so on. And, you know, there was an emergency Arab League summit and actually i think it was nine countries um presented and endorsed a very strong resolution which was denied by uh, jo uh jordan saudi arabia and morocco so it was vetoed um and watered down so it's obvious you know saudi arabia is making noises again about normalization with israel jordan has been a british vassal state for years Syria, to be honest, I wrote about this quite a while ago in November, I think. It's struggling with so many uh, military fronts on its own territory. Plus, it is permanently Israel's punch bag. You know, if Iran does something, it's Syria that's going to get probably bombed. Um, and it's dealing with the resurgence of ISIS and, and the kind of the increased activity from the terrorist groups in the north and the northwest and now obviously the us in the northeast so it's kind of it's it's in too vulnerable a situation yeah. to carry forward something like that um iran and also the other thing you need to understand a lot of the resistance access states like iraq um yemen even iran they don't recognize the state of israel so for them to get actively involved in the court case, they would to some degree have to engage with Israel. And right. so I think a lot of them took a, you know, a concerted decision to, to support it in statements, but not to get actively involved because that would mean well, recognizing the state of Israel. Paradoxically, not even Israel recognizes Israel. I mean, they haven't defined their own borders. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, well, their borders are whatever bit of territory that they want to steal at any given moment, of course. Uh, do you think then, Vanessa, that 
irrespective of the ICJ outcome, mm. uh, Netanyahu is a bit is a little bit snookered. Not while he's being propped up by the West. Um, and you know, a little bit like Zelensky, I tend to see now the, the operations are very similar. <clears throat> he's the psychopath that's going to carry out US bidding, basically. Mm. And if we go back to this reshaping of the Middle East and effectively the destruction of countries that stand in the way of the US having complete control over the Middle East and its resources and preventing the rise of BRICS, preventing the rise of Iran, Russia, China, the countries that stand in the way are Lebanon, at least with Hezbollah, um, Iraq to some degree, and uh, Syria and Iran and Yemen. Those are the main countries. So I do think at some point we're going to see escalation beyond the borders of occupied territories in Lebanon and then potentially. I don't know if they will directly attack Syria. They have more than 100,000 terrorists still inside Syria. Inside Syria. <laughs> sure. So it, there and is I mean, potential, you know, that we, we face another um, conflict escalation here. And I mean, Hezbollah is pretty powerful now. Yeah, I mean, this is what makes me think of Zelensky, because yeah. in the same way, you know, Zelensky has sent how many? 500,000 of his own guys to their death, right? And the IOF operation inside Gaza was a disaster. The casualty rates were, were much higher. Israel never admits anything regarding casualty rates, it will keep it as low as possible. Whereas Hezbollah always widely circulates the names um, and honors the martyrs. So you, you kind of know that there's a degree of, of truth in that. But if they think that it's a walk in the park to invade Lebanon, they, they are completely insane. You're not talking Palestinian mm. resistance, which is really a bunch of kids with homemade rockets you know, but the bravest kids I've ever seen, I mean, some of this footage of them getting up to a tank and putting a, a, a gas bottle underneath it. And, you know, it's just incredible. You have to kind of take your hat off to the bravery because they are facing a very well equipped, I won't say well trained, they're too used to persecuting kids and women and, and civilians on the streets. You know, or bombing Gaza from afar. That's what they do. Um, and that's what they've, they've certainly escalated the bombing <coughs> in southern uh, Lebanon. Let me, let me ask my question differently then. Um, if the ICJ agrees with South Africa's case, what do you think will actually happen in reality um, as opposed to if the ICJ ruled against South Africa's case? I think in both cases, Israel loses. Because if the ICJ, I mean, to a large degree, the judges of the ICJ are equally on trial on this, because this is honestly, I think it has to be the clearest cut case of genocide in real time that is being streamed 
to various platforms and social media platforms on a 24-7 basis, right? Um, so I think then there will be complete uproar. And I was watching uh, Diana Butu, who's um, an international lawyer based in Palestine, and she said, well, at that point, we have to accept that international law or instant, it, the highest international law, basically, is not fit for purpose. And I think now the body of countries that South Africa has behind it, I don't think South Africa is going to let this drop. And I'm quite sure the legal team has considered all the eventualities. They seem pretty well organized. If it goes, of course, to the UN Security Council, who's going to veto it, which will just deepen their complicity in the corruption of um, any kind of um, fair justice-based um, institution, you know. So I, I think we've got a long way to go, but um, somebody yeah. was telling me that there's five judges that have to leave on the 6th of February. So I'm guessing they will try to get the verdict in before that, or they will use that as, a, as an excuse to prolong either way. What, what's your gut feeling? That's really difficult. My pessimistic self <laughs> thinks they're going to try every which way to not find Israel guilty or to let, I don't know if they can lessen the charge. Um, my optimistic self is they can't possibly avoid this. You know, they found um, for Myanmar, they found for Bosnia Herzegovina, although in my view, there were a lot of questions over that. Um, so I, I don't honestly see after South Africa produced an 84 page document, which was so comprehensive. But we have to wait and see. We're not living in a in a normal reality at the moment. We're living in a very what? kind of no, Vanessa. Everything, <laughs> every, everything has been very normal for the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. You know, it's just like, but it's increasingly becoming more Truman Show. You know, I just feel sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, this guy's still here. You know, the the, the trees are still here. You know, maybe the world is real. But most of the people in it aren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think, okay, I'm going to ask you, do you think Israel has a right to exist? No. No. Because when you've systematically planned to steal the land of another state, um, and you've done so through violence, through ethnic cleansing, um, through 75 years, so even before, so from really, I guess you could say from 1917 onwards, it kind of heated up. Um, but then for 75 years after the Nakba, it's been nothing but a continuous Nakba. You know, people describe this as Nakba 2. Nakba 1 never finished. And it's utterly abhorrent to me that the people whose country it was don't have any right to return. But anybody that converts to Judaism anywhere in the world 
has the right to to come to Israel. And if they don't have enough houses, they just kick out more Palestinians. You know, it's so wrong. For me, the two-state solution is it's it, it was never viable. Even in 1936, the Peel Commission condemned it and just said it's never going to work. Um, when the UN in in 47 basically partitioned Palestine in favor of the Israelis, gave them the prime agricultural land, um, gave them the majority of the land. Um, it, everything has been, and, and my dad, I mean, my dad, um, who was one of probably the most famous sort of Arabists uh, of his time, of his era, he was Middle East advisor to the British government, to uh, Ernest Bevan, who was foreign minister post Second World War. And he argued in one paper that, you know, if we do this, if we allow this to go ahead, it will entail decades of bloodshed in the region. And of course it has. It, it's never stopped because Israel is, is, as Robert Kennedy Jr. recently described, they're just the bulwark for um, the US. So they're carrying out interference and, and, and military attacks. You know, if, for example, the terrorists in Syria, not so much now, but before, were under pressure by the Syrian Arab army, Israel would bomb. It would bomb artillery positions, it would bomb airports, it would bomb ammunition stores, etc., to aid and abet the terrorist groups. It has supported Al-Qaeda and funded it and armed it in Syria from the beginning, because that's what it does. You know, so how can a state like that exist? If this was Russia or if this was China, nobody would be questioning it. No, they can't exist. You know, if, if they're behaving in this way, yeah, the only way forward is a is a one state, is one state back to the state of Palestine, and anyone who wants to live in peace, in in the inclusive state of Palestine, it's not ever going to be a Muslim state. It will be a, probably on the lines of Syria, like a secular state incorporating yeah, yeah. Um, all uh, faiths that want to live there in peace and have, mm. you know, a non-apartheid state. And I think that's one of the reasons that for South Africa, this was such a kind of heartfelt pause because of the apartheid issue. Um, Vanessa Billy, I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jerm, this okay. is TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong, some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out. 
because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help, even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything, giving you medical help and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist. Because the sooner you know, the more you can do. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Vanessa, the last few years, uh, all the focus has been on, um, you know, a pandemic. And <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, the real pandemic is not what we were talking about. It's actually Zionism. I mean, it's, it's this mind virus that, that mm. infiltrates um, otherwise intelligent people. I've been, I've been thinking a lot lately about Christian Zionism, for example, which is oh, in, yeah. in many ways far deadlier <coughs> than, than, yeah. than Zionism. I mean, yes. US presidents openly claim to be uh, Christian Zionists. What, 70, 80 million Americans are Christian Zionists. Um, and it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's, it's like an enigma. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I guess. I mean, the, the only other movement that you can compare it to um, is Nazism. And I'm comparing it. I'm not saying Zionism is Nazism. But of course, you had Hugh, Netanyahu is part of um, the revisionist Zionist, which is an expansionist um, Zionist cult. By the way, when the Zionist movement began, most Jews hated it. And they described it as yet another anti-Semitic cult. Many Jews globally oppose the Zionist uh, occupation and the Zionist state, and even having the state of Israel for them is, is goes against their beliefs. Um, but yeah, the Christian Zionists, there's a really good book called The Dark Crusade, um, which I recommend everyone reading, which definitely goes into huge detail. Sorry, the name of the author has escaped me. He'll kill me. Um, but I'll send it to you after. Uh, and and it's you know it, it's terrifying actually and of course it actually outnumbers um, the, the the Jewish Zionists also I mean Christian Zionists is is a bit of an oxymoron anyway you know um, what with, it with emphasis means, our, our end time with emphasis on moron <laughs> with the emphasis on moron yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> or polymoron I should say. Um, you know, but it's it's all also about it's all linked into this end time apocalyptic vision, you know, because the reason that the operation was called Al-Aqsa Flood was because Israel for a long time has been um, has had designs on Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is one of the third most uh, holy sites in Islam uh, to go convert it into Temple Mount. And the end times come, I, I'm not a huge kind of religious scholar, but from what I understand, the end times are necessary for the second coming of Christ. And basically we need an apocalypse 
Um, and Matt Eric has done a lot of like, really mind-blowing work into this. Um, and it's sort of scary because, you know, if you look at Netanyahu and he's talking about calling them the Amalek, well, again, you know, this is a biblical reference. The AI yeah. um, targeting factory that, that is basically a, a genocide factory is has been called the gospel. <laughs> so all sure. of this religious terminology is coming into play. And these guys are seriously kind of insane. Yeah. You know? Well, you have and, to be. And so I mean, we're dealing you, with that as you well. You have to be insane. You have to be insane if you're going to... If you're going to completely defend bombing 30,000 yeah. people. <laughs> and completely dehumanizing them in the process. And the, you know, incrementally, the cruelty of the torture is increasing on an almost daily basis. I mean, some of the images, some of the photos, I, I watched one the other day of, I mean, it really made me cry. There was this disabled guy completely, like a really simple guy. And he had a metal plate in his back. He can't uh, move from the waist down. And what they did to him was just horrendous. They broke the plate in his back by dropping him from two meters off the truck. They broke his leg. You know, it's it's just, this is absolute, this is worse than the Nazis in my view. Because the, the thing is also, I mean, I think it's Alistair Crook that says on a regular basis, <clears throat> um, 80 to 90% of the Israeli population align with these kind of, um, this kind of intent and this kind of ideology. Yet Israel is known to be actually the least religious country in the region. I think it's less than 30% that are actually religious, right? So, so this is a cult. It's not actually, I don't even think it's to do with um, religion. It's, it's an occultist kind of just satanic um, movement. Yeah. The other thing also, which we haven't really touched on, um, and I find this particularly interesting, um, is that a lot of people don't know that the Israeli government actually helped prop up through funding and just to a large degree creating Hamas for... Yeah. Essentially, thwarting <laughs> Yasser Arafat and the PLO's moves to some sort of peacemaking. Um, Israel likes a hostile enemy. Mm. Um, well, it's basically done what the West does everywhere. It, it funds one side to create sectarian division because, of course, for years the the division between Fatah, the government in West Bank in in the occupied territories, and Hamas hated each other. You know, um, and yeah, a lot of people have made this a very important factor, but I think most of them have left out the reality, which was that there have been big changes inside Hamas um, and that the military wings and the resistance factions are really pretty separate to the political wings, not all, but most of them. And most of them, for example, with Syria, were actually pretty steadfast in their support for Syria. Um, throughout the 12 years, oh, no, more than that now, Ricky, no, 13 years war. So, I mean, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel um, as a train that's that's coming towards you? Or, or, or are you, 
or, or, or are you hopeful for what's for what's happening there? Because I I don't know, Vanessa, I I kind of think that Netanyahu is correct when he says it's going to be an infinite war. I, I just I can't mm. see Israel in any way giving up. Come back. Sorry, dog interruption. <laughs> <laughs> it usually happens. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's also pretty angry at the whole thing. But I mean, I was <laughs> yeah. just saying that. I was just saying I don't, I don't see any end in sight. No, and I mean Yoav Gallant, um, the Zionist defense minister, he made the point last. I think it was last week, where he said, you know, we have to achieve victory, otherwise we can't survive in the Middle East. So I think from for for every side of the conflict and i'm not talking um israel palestine because there are no two sides there's an oppressive force and and you know a country that is slowly being led of its inhabitants um but speaking about the region it's a it's an existential fight now and the resistance axis as i've said before they are trying to control it but it becomes impossible when they've you know they're really facing the use of psychopathic force, um, absolute violation of international law, and um, the potential for their countries being devastated. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands more victims in the future. And, and you know, as I've said, it's not only Britain that's leaping up and down with joy, it's also members of the EU that Germany just seems to have completely weirded out on this, um, as it did largely, of course, on Ukraine. Um, and but I mean, Germany doesn't have a very good history. <laughs> well, no, exactly, you know, and it's, it's just I mean, returning to, to <laughs> it's returning to the fall. I mean, the last the last time Germany had issues with uh, <laughs> with Russia. There were Russian tanks in Berlin. So I don't know, Germany yeah. needs to make some better decisions. <laughs> yeah, I think Merkel would have made better decisions, but the current government and that's the thing, you know, we have nothing but kind of puppet regimes in the West now. They're, they're a joke. Yeah. You can't turn to one statesman in the West that is capable of, of well, there's one or two MPs that spoke out on, on COVID. Um, there's a few that are speaking out on Gaza, but they're getting struck down pretty rapidly, you know? Mm. Mm. Let's come in for a landing. Uh, Vanessa, we've got a <laughs> couple minutes left. I, I'm, mm. I'm, looking for, I'm looking for silver lining. That's what I'm trying to go for here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you might it's be Friday. all right. I'm not it's so Friday. cold, it's but Friday I'm really I'm miserable looking... yet. <laughs> I know, but it's Friday, and 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 there has to be hope. There has to be a glimmer of hope somewhere. Look, I I think what's happening is we're we're seeing the dismantlement of empire. We're seeing the end of empire, which in itself is an extraordinary event. I think we are seeing, you know, after seeing all the protests, the hundreds of thousands of people out on the streets, we have seen a very um, big awakening. I don't like using that word necessarily, but you know what I mean. And we're mm. seeing an alignment of countries that are really finding this whole thing disgusting. That's a pretty good thing because the lines are being drawn. 
And even in Arab populations, this is really interesting. There's been a number of polls, even in countries like Saudi Arabia and Jordan. And the huge majority of, of people in those countries don't agree with the policies of their governments and are actually pivoting towards countries that are not supporting Israel and away from those that are supporting Israel. So if I have to look for positivity, I don't think it's going to stop whatever is coming. But it might prepare the world a bit better for what's coming. Uh, so, do you think that um, do you think that we're being located, for example, where you are in Syria, and being located where I am in South Africa, uh, could actually <laughs> yeah. have good long-term benefits for us? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's <coughs> it's not really the main reason I came here. I came here because I love it and. I developed like mm. a real relationship with the country over the time I was working here. Um, but I'd far rather be here right now than in many Western countries where the governments are complete fascist regimes. You don't have, we saw this in COVID, you don't have a choice. You don't have bodily yeah. autonomy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm really proud of South Africa, to be honest. I know you've kind of, complain every now and then about the government no i would love to come but um you absolutely must come to cape town i'll take you for lunch okay oh just for lunch <laughs> okay <laughs> that will be a whistle stop tour <laughs> <laughs> um, all right vanessa how uh, how can i follow your work um the easiest place is at my Substack youtube i'm hanging on uh, Twitter, Telegram. So Telegram and Substack are the two main ones. And those addresses are? Is, is it just your name? Oh, it's just Vanessa Beely at Substack. I don't have anything kind of <laughs> fancy, uh, just me. <laughs> all right, so we, we need to work on your branding a little bit, yeah, Vanessa. Oh, I know, I'm hopeless, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> As always, um, Vanessa Beely, it's such a pleasure chatting to you. Uh, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you so much. Take care, Al. And you, and uh, stay warm. I, I hope that your fire doesn't die. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's, it's living. <laughs> Sorry about I, the noises uh, off. No, no, it's, it's absolutely fine. All right, I uh, have thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you, Vanessa. I also am extremely hot. I can't wait to turn off these lights. <laughs> I am sweating. I don't have aircon because we have constant rolling blackouts yeah, here same. in South Africa and um, yeah no it's it's not easy operating uh, with uh, mm. power hungry sources it is Friday that means I am going to go and enjoy my weekend I hope you do the same uh, try and stay try and stay positive and upbeat uh, <laughs> it's a it's it's a tough one when the when everything's falling apart but um, I think there's always a glimmer of hope somewhere along the line send me an email Jim warfare at tntradio.live uh, let me know your thoughts on the conversation as always um, I love all the feedback uh, on behalf of Joel, Alex and myself my name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare the battle of ideas I was a little bit, I was a little bit early there, oh I'm so sorry I, I, I signed off a little bit early there <laughs> I must, I must, sorry about that Vanessa, that's a that's one <laughs> That's one for that's one for the bloopers. I I must set my clock. It it uh, jumped ahead <laughs> by by one minute. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm, I'm glad gonna I'm keep not this the one. only one that does it. <laughs>
Uh, no, no, it's fine. I, I'm, I need to go and set my clock forward by one minute. <laughs> See, this is what happens. This is what happens when Alex doesn't communicate properly with me. Alex, I blame you. I, I'm going to blame you for everything. <laughs> yeah, you should have a kind of like, no, keep rolling. All right. Okay. Now can I, now can I sign off, Alex? Now have, I, have, I got, have I got the thumbs up? There we go. Let me sign off. I'll catch you Monday. My name is Jim. This is Jim, Jim, Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.